from a very early age, I have always been fascinated by the night sky, by the planets and the moon and the stars and the nebula out there. The, the amazing glory and the beauty of the universe has always fascinated me. To that end, I, I have become a, an amateur astronomer and I, I have a, a Dobsonian reflector telescope and a refractor telescope that I have and I use and I love to look through and gaze at the beauties of the universe. But I didn't always have a good telescope. I began my astronomical love using something much more common, much more easy to handle, a pair of binoculars. Now these were my dad's binoculars and he gave them to me and I loved taking a look at the universe. I like to look at the birds and the trees and then I turned it to the sky and looked at the moon. I remember I did this when I was young and I was absolutely amazed at what I could see through a simple pair of binoculars. So you can imagine my wonder and amazement when I got my hands on one of these. These are called astronomical binoculars, and boy, are they astronomically heavy. I don't think that's what that means, but boy, they are amazing. And what you can see with them, you would never believe. Going out at night and looking up at the sky with these, you can see the hills on the moon. You can make out, the, if it's not a, a, a dust storm on Mars, you can make out all the patches of color that shift a lot on Mars and even see those strange looking, almost imaginary, but they're actually kind of reflections and shadows, lines that some people used to think were canals on Mars. And you can see the pinpoints of light that are the moons that are orbiting Jupiter. And you can see, you can just barely make out the ring that is, goes around Saturn with a pair of binoculars like these. I mean, they're huge. They're heavy. You've got to have a, a mount to put it on if you're going to use it for any length of time. I used to lay down in the grass and look up at the sky and brace these. And I could only do it for a few minutes. Some of the most amazing things to see can be seen with a pair of astronomical binoculars. One of my favorite things to look up in the sky at is um, the Pleiades. It's a birthplace for stars. And you can see it with the naked eye on a very dark night or if you don't have a lot of light pollution around. And I used to lay there and look up at this gaseous cloud in which these stars were growing and birthing and, and looking at its structure and its beautiful glow. It was, it's just amazing to look up at the sky and see the beauty of God's creation. Gazing up at the sky, looking at planets, the moon, the stars, the gaseous nebula, and seeing in it the amazing creative genius of our amazing creative God. It's quite overwhelming to look up at the night sky, at the brilliant night sky, I love to get away, to go out into the far country, up north, usually into Oklahoma. Southern Oklahoma is a good place to go for this. And you can look up at the sky and you can see the backbone of night, the Milky Way galaxy, our galaxy that we're part of. And you can see structure and amazing beauty through binoculars like these or through a telescope. One of the neat things about astronomical binoculars is that they give you a three-dimensional view 
of the universe, a three-dimensional view. You feel like you're right there in the middle of it. You're not just squinting through one eye. You're looking through both at the amazing beauty of God's creation, and you feel like you're in the middle of it all. That's one of the reasons why I love astronomical binoculars. Looking up at the beauty of God's creation and feeling like I'm in the middle of it. When I look up at the brilliant night sky through binoculars or a telescope or even with my bare eyes, I cannot help but know that God is, that God exists, and that this God, this creator, this Lord and Savior wants to be known, wants to be in a relationship with us. That's what Paul was saying to the Athenians there in Greece. Athens was a great metropolitan center of the ancient world, a crossroads of the ancient world between the west on the one side and the near east and the far east on the other. It was the seat of many great ancient religions, the house of many powerful mythical systems, the breeding ground of ancient philosophies and philosophers who still inform our Western ways of thinking to get today. People like Zeno and Pythagoras and Socrates and Plato and Aristotle. It was in this environment, one fed by a multitude of ancient religions and ancient philosophies, that Paul was speaking about this altar to an unknown god. The Athenians had such an inquisitive and receptive mind that they left room for a God that they didn't yet know. And Paul brilliantly drew the connection and proposed to them that this unknown God is God. The one whose very nature, whose very name means I am I exist. Yahweh. Yahweh is God's personal name. And it literally is the to-be verb in Hebrew. It means I am. I exist. I am and I will be known. The one who is and who cannot not be. A good physical illustration for the meaning of God's name is to take a water hose and screw it into the faucet and turn on the faucet and then pinch off the water hose about midway. As you pinch it off, you feel the flow of water coming to a stop on one side and the pressure building up on the other side of the where you've pinched it. And the longer you hold it, the pressure gets bigger. And then when you let it go, you feel this rush come through. That's the essence of Yahweh. To be known, I am and I will be known and you cannot stop me. I will be known. God. God, as Paul declared, Yahweh Elohim, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, was that unknown God to whom the Athenians had built an altar. I found among them an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. Paul would have said, what you see through the telescope or the binoculars, that which you peer at through a microscope, the wonder of all creation that science reveals to you, 
points to the God who made it all. I believe that. I believe that we can know so very much about God by looking at that which God has made. The universe written large in the heavens above us, the microverse in the cells of our bodies, the subatomic realm of the very small indeed, protons, neutrons, electrons, yes, even some morons, quarks and neutrinos, no matter where you look, in biology, chemistry, physics, astrophysics, astronomy, geology, you see the fingerprints of God. What we know about this creator from that which God has made makes it clear to us that this God desires to be known. God made the universe in such a way that it can be known, understood by those who are within it. And that's not an accident. Moreover, this God has made God's self known to us directly, not just through the stuff that God has made, but also through the revelation of his mind, the divine logos, Jesus Christ himself. That's what Paul was saying to the Athenians. Our God is not unknown. Our God is knowable. Knowable through that which God has made. Knowable through what God has done. Knowable through what God has said. Knowable for who God is, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, and friend. This gives me great comfort. The one who fashioned all that you see in the night sky, the one who fashioned the hugeness of the macroverse, the same one who created the infinitely small realms and the intricacies of the microverse, cares for you and cares for me. Ponder that for just one moment. We are truly insignificant as beings go. We're tiny, we're weak, we can be brought down by a virus that is, you can't see with your eyes. That's less than a tenth the width of a human hair. We don't exist for very long. We celebrated uh, today and the joys and concerns, the birthday of a hundred-year-old person. And I've known uh, people who've lived to be 100, 101, 102, 103. That's just a blink in the history of humankind and even more blink in the universe. We don't live for very long. The farthest we've traveled from the earth in human form, the farthest people have been is to the moon, though we've sent space probes beyond our solar system. And yet as tiny as we are, though we are insignificant, this same God who created everything cares about you, cares about you so much that he came into this world as Jesus of Nazareth, lived amongst us, taught us, fed us, healed us, and then stretched out his arms on the hardwood of the cross and died for us and experienced our death 
that we might not fear God, but might come to know and enter into the presence of God in our and his resurrection. This God who created all that you see, this God who is unknown and yet known, this God who we can see in the universe and see handiwork and the construction of this universe, and the amazingness of the genius that created this universe, this God who created all of it, created you too and loves you and cares for you and wants a relationship with you. That's amazing to me. I'll set up my Dobsonian telescope, my big reflector, 10-inch reflector, and I'll take a look at Jupiter. And in that telescope, I can see the bands of storms on its surface and its great red spot, which is a massive storm. And I can see the moons that are orbiting it. And it's bright and beautiful and amazing, and it's huge. This planet is enormous. And the God who created that, and who created so much more that's even greater, loves and cares for you. To me, that's just overwhelming. And it gives me great comfort in difficult times when I'm struggling with sick loved ones, when I'm struggling with broken relationships, when I'm struggling with friends who are going through difficult times, when I'm struggling with friends and church members who are ill, when I'm struggling with these situations and circumstances, I have to remind myself that the God who created everything cares so much about me that he came as Jesus to die for me. To me, that's a huge wow. This God whom the Athenians worshipped as an unknown God. This God who can be known. If only we'll look with eyes of faith and hearts of faith and minds of faith. This God who can be heard through scripture and through Jesus Christ our Lord. This God who created all of that loves us. Hang on to that in difficult times. Hang on to that in times of pain. Hang on to that in times of fear. Hang on to that in the dark night of the soul when you lay in bed at night and you can't sleep for the worries that course through your brain. Hang on to that and know that God loves you and cares for you and desires a relationship with you. If you haven't prayed recently, I invite you to take a moment to pray. To take a moment to open your heart and your soul to the creator of this amazing universe. And know God's presence is with you now. I invite you to pray with me now. Lord Jesus, we stand amazed. We stand amazed at the beauty of your creation. We stand amazed at the remarkable beauty that you have built around us. We realize that even though we are but dust and a dust we shall return, we know that you came to be with us in Jesus. You came to be with us to teach us, 
to love us, to heal us, and to die for us. And so we thank you. In those difficult times when we struggle, remind us that you are never far from us. Comfort us, strengthen us, and give us your grace. And remind us, Almighty God, that no matter what we may have done, you love us still. You love us, and you are with us. Bless, Almighty God, those who worship here with us today through the internet or in this building. Bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them, Almighty God, and be gracious unto them. And remind them that they are not alone. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And may God's people say, Amen. Your presence